You are listening to the Sermon Podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. Well, it's good to see you here this morning. If we haven't met before, I'm Pastor Tony, one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my privilege this morning to bring the next in our installment. We are spending the summer in the Psalms. And so it's not only our our sermon series that comes from a variety of passages in the Psalms, but, but if you want to join us in reading the Psalms for yourself, there's some of the packets for the reading plans for the summer in the Psalms back in the back. This morning, we're going to take a look at Psalm 88. I've titled this message, Crying Out from the Pit. Spoiler alert, this is not going to be one of the most feel-good sermons you've ever heard. This comes, Psalm 88 was written by Haman the Ezraite. And Haman the Ezraite wrote this at a point in time where he was, well, let's say he was not having a good day. Maybe he wasn't having a good week. Uh, I remember one point in time at home, I went, I I was talking to my mom. I'd come over, it was after I had grown up. I was an adult. I went over to visit my mom I stepped into my mom's house and I said, so, mom, how are you doing? And my mom said, have you ever had one of those weeks? And I said, yeah, mom, I have. And she said, well, I'm having one today. Have you ever had that day and the whole day feels like it's one of those weeks? There's a week's worth of that in a day. This is a little bit what Haman has for us when when he wrote Psalm 88. And I think we can understand that, most of us. Some of you know what it's like to be in the pit. I love the movie Princess Bride and I was going to use the phrase the pit of despair. But that brings up a whole set of images that probably aren't helpful. Haman uses the word really the pit of death. Some of you know what it's like to be there. Some of you maybe are there. And you find yourself deep in the pit And maybe even spiraling down and wondering where is the bottom of this pit. And if you're not there right now, many of you have been. And if you're one of the few who can say, I never have been, I promise you people that you love have and are in the pit. What we hear from Haman the Ezraite here in Psalm 88, we hear him crying out from the pit. Let's read it. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. If 
you don't have the word with you, you, it'll be up on the screen. You can follow along. Psalm 88. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. My prayer, may my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with trouble. My life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave that you remember no more and are cut off from your care. You've put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You've overwhelmed me with all your waves. You've taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day I spread my hands out to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? I cry to you for help. Lord, in the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I've suffered and been close to death. I've borne your terrors and I'm in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They've completely engulfed me. You've taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. So writes Haman from the pit. You know, it's interesting for a lot of us when we hear about the Psalms or we think about the Psalms, uh, we think of, praise the Lord, O my soul, right? This is much, much different. And I want to look at this this morning. And there's, there are some really important pieces of this that I want to pull out because this is not... This is not some leftover psalm that somebody looked at and said, well, maybe we should put this in here too. Now, this is God's ordained word. This is, this is the Holy Spirit inspiring Haman to write these words and the Holy Spirit protecting these words down through the ages so that they're here for us today for a reason. One of the first things that it's important to point out about Psalm 88 is that our cries and these cries from the pit are evidence that this world is messed up. I think we all agree on that. In fact, if you were to take a poll of your friends and neighbors on all sides of the political spectrums, on all sides of the religious spectrum, those people who are agnostic, those people who are atheists, those people who are Muslims, Christians, people who don't even care about any religious anything, and almost all of them to a person are going to agree, this world's messed up. 
It is. This is not the way God intended for it to be. And the Bible gives us language to talk about that. The Bible calls it sin. And when we talk about that, it's important to just identify the reality that sometimes it's my sin that has messed up my world. And sometimes it is your, my sin that has messed up your world. And sometimes it's your sin. But in the bigger picture, sin itself, the presence of sin in the world has messed it all up. Scripture says all of creation groans under the curse of sin. And even people who don't know the Bible goes, yep. It's messed up. This is not the way God originally intended. And because it's not the way God originally intended, it's difficult to find evidence of things that are right and straightened out and good. It's hard to come up with that. That's why the 24-hour-a-day, seven-days-a-week news channel focuses mostly, all of those channels focus mostly on stuff that's messed up. Why? Because that's easy to find. It's difficult to find the things that are right and align with how God intended and they're good and they're just. All that to say, our cries from the pit are appropriate, even even expected. Why wouldn't we be crying out from the pit? This place where we live is messed up. A second reality is that God can handle our cries from the pit. God can handle it. Sometimes when somebody brings up something negative, and and maybe this happens in your workplace, or maybe it even happens in our homes, or or, or wherever, somebody brings something up negative, and somebody goes, "Shh, shh, shh, no, 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 no. We don't talk about that. No, 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 no. Don't say that. But it's true. But don't say that. That's not God's posture towards us. When we find ourselves in the pit, God can handle our crying from the pit. Sometimes our our cry from the pit is questioning. God, why do you do that? Sometimes Sometimes it's questioning God. God, I don't know if you're really... Somebody I should follow or not. Sometimes our cries from the pit come out of a place of anxiety and anxiousness. And we, I don't know if this pit ever gets better. I don't know if there's a bottom to it. Sometimes it comes even even in depression. And God can handle all of it. Because our cries reflect the truth that this place isn't what it ought to be. And God listens 
to our cries. God listens to our cries even if they're not true. So my son, my son had a really tough second grade. And that's kind of strange that, that you might say about somebody, you know, their toughest year was second grade, but, but it kind of was for him. It, lots of things didn't go right, and, and it's, the long story has all kinds of reasons why, but one day, he's, a, he's home from second grade, and I come home from work, and he's on the couch, and his backpack is next to the couch, and his homework is kind of spilled out from the backpack, And before I even examined the scene, I walked in the house and I said, hey, how you doing? And he didn't answer me. And I thought, oh. And I looked at the scene and he was on the couch on his stomach with his head in a throw pillow. So I sat down with him and I put my hand on his back and I said, dude, What's going on? And he said, everything I do is wrong. Okay. So my adult um, kind of, I I, want to think about things logically, right? And my logical brain right away said, that's not true. You know, you had breakfast this morning. That wasn't wrong. You had lunch this you know, That wasn't wrong. You got home from school. Fine. That wasn't wrong. You're here. That's not wrong. Everything you touch isn't wrong. Thankfully, I don't know if it was the, the Holy Spirit or if I just learned enough to know, don't, don't do that. I just invited him to sit up. And I put my arm around him and I said, Micah, tell me about that. See, it didn't matter if what he was feeling was right or wrong at that time. What he needed was somebody to say, tell me about that. And somebody to listen. Haman the Ezraite finds in God somebody who will listen. Is, is all of Psalm 88... An an absolute true statement? Did all of Haman the Ezraite's friends think he was repulsive, like it said in verse 8? I'll bet they didn't. There was likely a friend somewhere that just felt bad for him, liked the guy. But where he's sitting from his perspective as he cries out from the pit, it feels like There's no bottom and no end and no friend and it's all death and I don't have any option. And God says, Haman, let it all out. I'm listening. He hadn't hid himself from Haman. Haman asks him, did you hide yourself from me? No, he was right there saying, Haman, tell me about it. God can handle our cries from the pit. Sometimes we feel like we should be that person, like somebody's telling us, shh, don't say that. 
And God invites us. Tell me all about it. It's not a mistake that Psalm 88 is in the scriptures. It's not a mistake that it's it's here for us. In fact, God's not surprised by any of our cries from the pit. That's why Jesus came, because we're stuck in the pit. Jesus didn't come to be our our role model. Although he's an excellent role model, he didn't come to be a role model. He came to save us from the pit. And it's why he hears us and is so welcoming to our cries from the pit because that's why he came. He came to fix the sin problem that messed up the whole world that put us in the pit in the first place. And that's the third thing I want to point out. The third thing I want to point out is for us to take a look at where this psalmist begins, where Haman begins. He starts this psalm with, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. Why do we cry out to God from the pit? Because he's the God who saves It sits here at the beginning to lay a foundation for this psalm. This psalm is not the story of Haman's life. As if at some point in time he said, you're the God who saves. And then later on he found himself in the pit and went, I don't know, I guess not. This was written as a song all together. And you are the God who saves can sit as a refrain to the whole thing. I'm overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like, without, I'm like one without strength. And Lord, you are the God who saves me. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You've overwhelmed me with all your waves. And Lord, you are the God who saves me. Darkness is my closest friend, and you are the God who saves me. That's as true as the reality of sin that messed up this world. That is true. You, Lord God of Israel, are the God who saves. That's why Haman cries out to him. That's why we can cry out to him. So I have a question for you. What's your cry from the pit? What is that sound like? If I'm going to be really honest with you, I'll tell you that sometimes when I've found myself in the pit, my cry is, is much like, God, make it right. God, make it nice. 
God, make it easy. God, this is hard. Can you make it easier, please? And he's not averse to hearing. He's not against hearing that cry from the pit. But I'll be honest with you, when I make that cry from the pit, it's predominantly selfish. But it's not ultimately the best thing for me. Because here's the thing. If I'm in the pit and God makes the pit really nice and comfy, I'm still stuck in the pit. Sometimes, sometimes our cry from the pit is much more like where Haman started the psalm. Lord, Lord, you are the God who saves. Save me. Because ultimately, that's what I need. I don't need a nicer pit. I need the God who saves to save me. And and here's the best part. The best part of it is that that work has already been done. Jesus on the cross said it's finished. The work is done. When we cry out, Lord, you're the one who saves, save me. God goes, got it. It says it this way. In Romans 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, you shall be saved. So, what's your cry from the pit? Day and night, Haman says, day and night I cry out to you. Why? Because you are the God who saves. Oh, God who saves, save us. God from the pit, save me. Let's pray. Father, We thank you for your word and we thank you for Haman the Ezraite who gives us an example and permission to cry out to you from the pit. Lord, you promised to meet our our deepest need and, and our deepest need is to be forgiven of our sin. 
Oh, Lord, in our pit, we long to have things nicer and better, and sometimes our cries are selfish. Thank you for hearing those. Thank you for not turning us away. Thank you for not hating it when we do that. Thank you for hearing our cries from the pit. But, oh, Lord God who saves, may our deepest cry from the pit be, Lord, save me. We pray in the name of the one who saved us, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or streaming this content today. We at Triumph pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or you can visit triumphlbc.org events to find an activity that you could jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and it's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless you.